Hello and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by me, Nick Hewer, and Allianz. In this series, we examine global trends that will affect and shape businesses in the next few decades. We look at the risks, but also analyse the opportunities that could be available for business and discuss what all this means for the insurance industry. Previous episodes have covered topics like cybercrime, autonomous vehicles, drones and fraud. If you missed them, you can listen now on your normal podcast app. But today, we're talking about the rise of robotics. Technology has revolutionised the business world. From the way an organisation interacts with customers or clients to the way they store and read data. The World Economic Forum predicted that automation will affect 52% of daily professional tasks by 2025, and robotics are very much part of this change. But if you're picturing an army of machines marching into your office to take over, don't be alarmed. Rather than being something for employees to fear, many experts suggest that automation will be a positive influence for a workforce, increasing productivity and freeing up people for more beneficial roles. But in reality, is that true? Joining me today are Jenny Stein, Head of Business Systems, Alliance, Richard Archer, Director of Digital and Intelligent Automation at EY, and Andy Thornley, Head of Corporate Affairs at BIBA, that's the British Insurance Brokers Association. So listen, let's start with you, Jenny. Can you explain more about what we mean by robotics and robotic process automation? Let's call that RPA. What's the difference? So robotics in this context is all about software robots. So we're not talking about um, the Terminator-type robots that you often see on television. We're talking about software that's designed to mimic human activity um, through a series of process steps. So it's very simple in its form, but actually it's quite sophisticated in terms of what it can do. Okay, and how are insurers like Allianz using them? And basically, what are the benefits? So we're using it in a variety of ways, but I would say over the last 12 months, its focus has been more on repetitive activity, mundane tasks and activities that people get caught up with doing rather than applying their technical skills and knowledge um, and customer service experience. And the benefits to our company are that actually we can focus more on the value add activity. And for our customers, what they're seeing is better quality, speedier decisions and more simplicity. Richard, how does it uh, differ from AI then? Robotics, AI? Yeah, I think automation is a very broad topic. So as we've seen over the last few years, robotics has been a first step on an automation journey for a number of clients, a number of organisations. As we look to automate more of the uh, processes uh, and the ways in which business operate, we start to use more advanced techniques for automation. And so we start to introduce themes around uh, machine learning, Uh, and deep learning, which basically applies a a kind of broader algorithmic design and and cognitive reasoning to the ways in which you can automate processes. So it's less about the mundane repetitive tasks that are very rules-based and move to a much more pattern-based automation. Got it. Your organisation is supported, indeed fueled, by clients. (laughs) Am I right? Can you explain more about your role supporting clients with their digitisation then? Yes. So at the moment... We are seeing the insurance industry as a whole uh, and the broader, the broader um, global economy um, addressing a broad agenda of digital transformation, looking to kind of drive different ways in which they engage with their customers, provide new services and products, 
um, and sort of identify new ways of remaining competitive in the market against new entrants. So what we've really been doing is helping our clients to both shape and design um, the roadmap for how they transform their businesses to to kind of offer these new services to market. The first step is just moving away from paper-based services. So one of the key focus areas for a lot of organizations at the moment is about how do they digitize and where do they digitize first? And we've been supporting our clients in, in defining the roadmap of how do they better engage through digital channels, introducing new multi-channel engagements, and then finding ways in which they can introduce technology to optimize and improve the processes that sit behind. Challenges to companies when rolling out technology like this. How much suspicion do you get from clients at a lower level to those who have actually commissioned you to do it? So I think over the last few years, and we've had the, the, um, the pleasure of actually supporting a number of clients go on their automation journey. And in the early days, it was very much about testing this technology, looking at how robotics was going to really help drive a different way in which businesses operated. Uh, and at that level, there was a lot of suspicion and question about what is a robot? What's it going to do? What role is it taking over from me as an employee? I think as we've seen over time, it's gone beyond the testing phase. It's, the technology is now proven. And actually what we're seeing for a lot of uh, employees and organisations in general is actually it's a value-added technology that's enabling uh, employees to focus on more value-added tasks, make their life more interesting at work. And actually the suspicion has turned into more of a, a pleasure and appreciation of actually how their jobs day-to-day have become better. So you, you tend to jump that hurdle fairly easily, at least within your client companies. One other thing. So you sign off with the client... Who runs it within the client organisation? Whose responsibility is it to oversee it? So I think, again, when we were testing and learning with clients over a number of years, there was a real friction and a tension between the IT department and the business function that was ultimately looking to automate a process. Um, The friction lay in terms of who owned the technology, who was responsible for governing it once it was in production. And actually what we've seen over time is that it's become a partnership um, in, in order to effectively drive out automation opportunities, the business, the business should own. Jenny, what was the reaction within the company when the system was first rolled out with you? Um, I think initially, like Richard had said, you know, it's with, as with any change, um, it was difficult for people to really understand what RPA was going to bring to our company. So it was a lot of test and learning. And certainly over a kind of 12-month period, what you're going through is more of an education process around what automation can, to, can do for your business uh, and your customers. So I would say initially a lot of reservation, uh, a little bit of fear in terms of what that means to individuals and their jobs. But actually, 18 months into that journey, we're now in a very different position where, you know, people are actually actively looking at opportunities for automation. People are excited about what automation can do for them and their roles. And they recognise that automation isn't there necessarily to take roles away, Mm -hmm. but it's there to augment and to work with people that are very skilled in what they do. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I kind of saw that, you know, the excitement traditionally lay at the executive level because they would look at the potential for efficiency. Um, but that excitement has trickled down the organisation now. And in some places we're seeing these robots acting as an assistant to an employee. And actually they've got their own personal assistant that's helping them do their job better mm. and taking away the pain. So okay. the excitement has actually started to kind of trickle through the organisation. Andy, broking. Because this is really what it's all about, isn't it? Talking yeah. to the brokers. What role does it play in the broking industry right now? So right now, there is a limited scope for it. There are a number of software providers who are coming into this space and helping 
uh, brokers to to engage it. Uh, there is some work that uh, individual firms are doing uh, of of their own volition, but a lot of the uh, the work in this space is is to do with collaboration, like simple tasks which are mundane, repetitive, don't necessarily include a lot of skills. So, um, for example, migration of data. There's a piece of software that sits between insurers and brokers, which enables a transaction to happen. They're called software houses. If you migrate from one to the other, it costs a lot of money circa about £10,000 each mm. software house wants to do the migration. Quite often that data needs to be rekeyed anyway. There's no reason on this planet that an individual from somebody's broken firm should have to sit and rekey data. This is something that RPA can do and is already doing at the moment. So there's very clear examples. I think part of the the job that we need to do is to to try and tell that story to the industry. This is still a relatively new technology to our sector. It's been around for a while, but the application hasn't necessarily been there for brokers. So now we're trying to tell that story and kind of capture the imagination of, of where this technology can help uh, each individual business and improve their bottom line. Do you reckon, I mean, we're sitting here in the middle of London, right? But your brokers are all over the country, all over the country, from the north of Scotland down to Land's End and all the rest of it. Is the language used around robotics putting people off? You know, it's all very well being, you know, sort of working in a big office in London. But, you know, maybe the language terrifies the hell out of people. I think you've got a really good point there, Nick. I mean, we've got just under 2,000 firms as members, and they range from the biggest insurance broking firms in the world to a one-man band on a rural high street in Wales and everything in between. And uh, all of these uh, business leaders, uh, whether or not they're from a small business or a larger business, are focused on on delivering their company, you know, sort of the, the day-to-day things. And when a new technology comes around and, and people like me, you know, sort of sit, you know, on, on a stage in a uh, panel debate, a presentation, whatever, and talk about things like AI, machine learning, um, blockchain, words like this. And we almost play a game of bingo with these things, you know, so we've got all of these phrases, which we understand, but aren't necessarily universally understood outside of that room. And I think we do a disservice to to these people because technology has been uh, throughout insurance, throughout its whole history. In fact, I mean, insurance is a really innovative product itself, you know, sort of transferring that risk. And uh, the platform that I described earlier, that that messaging system has been around since the 90s. If that was invented tomorrow, that would be, you know, it's great and sure tech, you know, innovation. But it's just business as usual for, for brokers. I think the same is true with these technologies. I think we talk about these things in what it can do for your business, what it will do for either efficiency or your bottom line or so that you can reinvest time, you know, speaking to customers. I think that's the type of language that business owners speak rather than, you know, sort of talking about the technology. It's the use case rather than how that's delivered. How do you educate the brokers? How do you do it gently and don't terrify them? Well, I think there's a number of ways. So we have um, uh, we have delivered a cross-industry group to look at this particular issue and three work streams came out. And the most important one which underpins all of this is demystification. What does it mean? What does it do? And I think podcasts like this are really good in trying to explain that to say, well, actually, this is what it is. And this is, you know, sort of a, an example of where it's worked well and how it can happen for, for your firm. So the education piece has come across really strongly with our brokers. There is a need and a desire for this. We surveyed our members. We had 160 businesses respond to to our survey. And in terms of priorities, the number one priority, reducing general costs, was their, their priority one. And the second in that list was reducing office administration. This is 
definitely something that RPA can do. There is a desire and need for it. We just need to tell a story. The second part is um, I talked about the fact that a lot of software providers are coming into this space to, to help collaborate. Okay. We need to make that available. We're this year going to be delivering somewhat of a dating agency app so that if you're a broker and you're looking for a solution to a problem which might involve technology, you can find it through this platform. The human touch. That's lost. Does it matter? I don't think it is lost, Nick. I think all you're doing is shifting the emphasis slightly. So all of those things that don't necessarily need a human touch to them can be picked up by the bot. That then allows the individual to then really hone into those things that do make us human, that emotional intelligence, that interaction, that communication. They're vital, and if nothing else, I think it'll become more important. So what's the customer reaction to robotics? I guess they love it once they've got used to the idea. So where the broker is the customer... Absolutely. If you look at a premium for about £300, a a small business policy, there's not enough time that a broker can invest in speaking to that customer. If you can free up time that someone would have, you know, keying data into a sales application, for example, then there's time there to speak to that customer, add added value. And that customer, the, the end customer, the business or personal lines customer will be more appreciative of it. And I think that's where the value add really comes from RPA. Now, let's talk about small businesses and small brokers. Hmm. What about cost? Is it prohibitive? I think when new technologies come around, the cost initially can be prohibitive. But as time progresses, the cost falls. An example that I use is uh, quite often my uncle worked on Tornado fighter jets, the head-up displays in their helmets. And it was, you know, sort of state-of-the-art technology. Now you can buy BMWs with head-up displays on the windscreen. So using that same logic, as technology uh, kind of moves along and the cost of producing those um, software algorithms or or you know, hardware, if it does require hardware, as that falls, then, then it becomes more accessible. And we see that in many different areas, and I've got no reason to doubt that that will be the case here. Jenny, what are the regulatory issues here? I think it's interesting because from an automation perspective as an insurer, you'd expect the same degree as rigour when it comes to automation as you would anything else. So for us, we don't think about it in those terms. We think about transacting as a business, make sure we apply the right rigour and governance accordingly. Mm. Um, And we're quite hot on that. You know, you spoke earlier around how do you keep control of automation within an organisation? And we've chosen to do that centrally. We've got quite a robust governance framework in place to make sure we're using automation in the right way and for the right reasons. So it's an important part of of the journey. Yeah, I think it's a really important theme, which is around, you know, what is the operating model you need to put around the kind of robotic um, process automation and and, and the things you automate? Um, And really kind of thinking about it almost like an extended workforce, the kind of virtual workforce that is performing tasks in parallel to employees. One of the things, even interestingly, from an EY perspective, you know, we've uh, you know, hundreds of robots that we've implemented around the world uh, for EY and automated a number of our low-value tasks. Um, the way in which we govern those, we've actually created a sort of centre in, in India which is called Automation Central, where in essence we're able to monitor and view and manage all of our robots doing their daily tasks. And actually when one task is kind of finished in one part of the world, you can reallocate that robot to then perform the, say, another task on another part of the world. So I think it's about actually how do you kind of think about this as a virtual workforce, but absolutely the controls and the way in which you can then govern them is critical. Um, With regulation, our conduct risk regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority, is a principles-based regulator as well, which deals with outcomes. So as long as the outcome is customer-centric, then the regulation uh, shouldn't be a problem with this technology. Are brokers planning for a future using it? And 
How are you helping that transition? Andy? I think brokers are interested in these technologies, certainly from the interaction that we've had from brokers in this space. I think the understanding of what it can do for their business is developing, and that's something that we're helping to foster. So uh, through the demystification kind of work stream that we've got going on to explain what this technology can do for their business, uh, what it does for their bottom line, how it can help them. And then secondly, making it available to them. So flagging up software providers who are able to offer these sorts of um, technologies and to aid that collaboration because we're not seeing necessarily disintermediation as we were once kind of promised a few years ago. We're seeing much more in the space of collaboration. I think that's good news for brokers and it enables them to take advantage of these technologies without having to invest in building these technologies themselves. And I think that collaboration is important, you know, as the relationships with our brokers from an insurance perspective develop because you know we're interested in using automation for self-service capability so understanding the way that the brokers operate and the way that they're seeing their business transform in a way that we can help enable that through our technology developments as well so not leaving it with them to do it but actually doing it in partnership but let, let, let's step back a bit and think that we are the insured one what increase in value do we get out of this uh, the use of this technology with the broker I think uh, the benefits as the end customer are great because if your broker or insurer can strip out these inefficient processes and reinvest that time, that resource, that uh, people power in speaking to you to check you're okay, to help you risk manage, I think these are real tangible benefits that add value to the service. And when it comes to renewal, for example, will make you more likely to renew with that insurance provider compared to someone else who doesn't have those resources at their disposal. Mm. I think improved customer engagement is going to be one really important part. But also I think speed to market and agility is also really critical. And I think we shouldn't forget that the insurance industry is fundamentally still based on paper. Financial services as a whole is still based fundamentally on paper. So as we can start to digitise more of that and then use things like robotics to speed up the way in which the um, the pricing and, and the kind of actual placing of a risk is done, then, you know, you start to sort of see a much better return. I can see speed is vital, getting that quote out for sure, mm-hmm. but also its efficiency and profitability. And if you can tag on to the end of that, the fact that the broker is going to talk to me as the insured one a little bit more frequently, then fine. Mm-hmm. But that's not the real driver of the installation of t- this technology in the broking industry. It unlocks the ability to do that, I think. It unlocks the ability to have richer conversations with the customer. Okay. But absolutely, and I think it shouldn't be forgotten what we've seen across the piece is that having a customer-centric focus around how you introduce automation is driving better efficiency opportunities as well. If you target the efficiency first, actually the ability to kind of realise that and unlock that benefit is not always as uh, easy as, as you might think. On speed, um, some of these technologies, uh, uh, there's something called parametric insurance, which an automatic claims payment can be triggered by an event, say, for example, a river reaching a certain level or a flight being delayed. Now, as long as um, uh, these technologies are employed, that is possible. So I think from an end user point of view, if, for example, your flight is cancelled, you can have a payment in your bank account within five minutes to say, sorry, your flight's been cancelled. Here you go. Now, that's good news for the customers, but it's good news for the industry as well, because it you know, enables that, that payout to be done without you know, uh, investing that resource, people you know, sort of filling in claim forms. Yeah. So to wrap things up then, the future of robotics in the insurance industry, a short up sum from everybody. What does Andy think? I think the future's rosy. I think 
it's still developing uh, in terms of its application in the industry, but there's a lot of interest certainly from our members in terms of what things, uh, what technology can do for their business. So it's something that we'll continue to have those conversations with brokers and continue to educate on. Richard? I think for me, it's important to remember that RPA is just one uh, form of technology that's going to drive difference in the way in which insurance functions as, a, as an industry. So I think actually robotics is a first step amongst many, and we start to look at additional automation opportunities uh, in machine learning and then eventually in broader kind of artificial intelligence use cases. But I think actually ov- overall it needs to be uh, reflected as part of a broader portfolio of digital transformation that's going to be ongoing for a number of years. So it's about actually how do you look at other forms of technology, how are you modernising your broader technology landscape to improve the services you provide to your customers? And I think that's a really important point because in order to transform, you know, what automation is going to give you is an opportunity to get rid of some of those legacy systems that are, are not enabling you to transform your business in the in the way that you should. Um, I think another key area for us that's quite exciting is that in order to use automation in earnest, you need to think very differently about your business model and how you're applying your business. So you need to re-engineer the way that you operate in order to leverage that capability more and more. So it's it's really exciting in terms of what's possible for us. I think that transformational change will be interesting in terms of it revolutionising that journey for the customer. It'll be seamless for the customer. The customer won't necessarily know what's going on and how we're using that technology, but they'll just start to see things happening faster, quicker, better. Yeah. It's a really exciting time for the insurance industry. I think overall, business models are changing. I think when we were sort of talking earlier, um, one of the themes around what is the role of insurance uh, in the future and how, how visible is it to the customer? Um, I think the idea when we move towards, you know, if you take a kind of more of a motor insurance policy or, or home policy, uh, the idea of usage-based insurance, I think, is going to become increasingly important. And actually, when we look at things like autonomous vehicles, if you have a car that pulls up to your house, you get in it and start driving, um, do you ring up your insurer to say, can you insure me for the next 30 minutes while I use this car? Or actually, is it something seamlessly happens behind the scenes that means you're insured for that 30 minutes? So this principle about the fundamental business model of insurance, for me, is where it gets really exciting. And technology across the spectrum has a big role to play in that. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. So my thanks to Jenny Stein, Head of Business Systems, Alliance, Richard Archer, thanks Richard, Director of Digital and Intelligent Automation at EY, and finally Andy Thornley, Head of Corporate Affairs at BIBA, and that's the British Insurance Brokers Association, of course. Please do subscribe to the series through your podcast app. That way, you'll be sure of never missing an episode, and we'd really appreciate you leaving us a review as well. Next time, we'll be exploring the subject of business interruption. In the meantime, from me, Nick Hewer, and Allianz, it's goodbye.